Well, you've probably been asked this before. You've heard this question before. What if Jesus came to your house? What would you do? Now, we've seen that a few times in Scripture. We see a, a gentleman of Zacchaeus. Jesus goes to his house. We see this morning with this lady, Martha, that Jesus is going to go to her, her house. But what would you do? I mean, would you start freaking out? Like, man, Jesus is coming to my house, so I've got to start cleaning. Uh, I'm going to clean, and then I'm going to call the maid service in to do the second cleaning. Uh, I'm going to, man, I'm going to get the yard all done. And I mean, I don't know what you would do or what you would start thinking about, um, but what would you do? What meal would you prepare um, if Jesus was coming? So I posed that question to some of our kiddos, and I want to give you just a few that uh, I received back. Uh, Brianna told us this, and these are kids from our church. She said, I would sing the song Tremble with him. That's by a group called Mosaic, a worship group. And we would sing his songs together, and we would also eat some yummy treats as well. So I'm down with that. I'm down with that. That's cool. Um, Liam said this, Mr. Liam, who had a birthday this week too, right? So uh, he said, I would make him food. We would do a PBJ sandwich. <laughs> Sounds awesome. And we would play a game with, I would play a game with him and show him my soccer medals. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then this is my youngest, Eliana, said this. She said, I would say hi and bye. All right, so just getting the, the beginning and the end. I love that. Just take care of the greetings. And then I would have him come play dollhouse with me. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that? I mean, that sounds just awesome. So this morning, though, I, I want us to see we have this real-life experience where Jesus and others are with him, are coming to this house of this woman. And what we learn here is a lot um, about this visit. And there's a lot going on around it as well. And so I would like for us just to sit back this morning and, and look at this text together, uh, the, this short little passage uh, this morning. So if we could just see the context this morning, look at verse 38 through 39. It says, now as they were traveling along, we'll talk about who they uh, potentially are in just a second, but as they are traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. Now, as we look at the life of Jesus, we see Jesus having friends, and in this case, he had friends, but we also know that he just didn't have friends, but he also had foes, right, and he had fans. He had foes, fans, and friends, and so Jesus is traveling and moving toward Jerusalem, and he is going to fulfill his mission, right? And so that's where he's going. This is now him taking steps eventually toward the cross, uh, where he will obviously die and lay down his life for us and fulfill the mission that God has given him. He will resurrect, and then 40 days after that, ascend to heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God. And so he's approaching that. He is getting nearer as he heads toward Jerusalem. So that's where he's headed. But along the way, he goes and visits some friends, some dear friends of his at Martha's house. 
And Martha had a sister. Her, sis, his, her sister's name was Mary. And we also learn about these two from John chapter 12, also even before that in John 11. If you remember the story of Lazarus, you guys with me on Lazarus? Lazarus was the guy that Jesus rose uh, back to life. He was dead, um, and Lazarus was called out of the grave by Jesus. And so his sisters are Martha and Mary. And so Jesus had these dear friends. But as I mentioned earlier, he had foes too. He had fans as well, right? Now there's a big difference between foes and fans and friends. Foes and fans choose you, right? You ever thought about that? Foes and fans, they choose you. But think about this, your friends, you choose your friends, right? Jesus chose these Mary, Martha, and Lazarus as dear friends of his. And so he would visit their house. He would go and at times find rest there and eat there, find shelter there. Remember, Jesus doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Jesus doesn't have a home like you and I have. But he found a place of rest. He found a place where he could eat and stay here at Martha's house and with his friends Mary and Lazarus as well. But who are the people with him? Now think about this. If you follow the track here in Luke chapter 9 and Luke 10, potentially with Jesus could be 72 disciples. You ever thought about that? Plus, possibly the other 12. So some believe you could potentially have as many as almost 100 people in this group that have gathered at Martha's house. And so you think about what that means. That's a lot of people potentially in this home. In fact, in John chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, we read of this occurrence. Many believe this is the same occurrence that Luke is speaking about here in Luke chapter 10, but it tells us that Jesus, therefore six days before the Passover, came to this place called Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there. They made him dinner, and Martha was serving. We'll read more about that in a second, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. So Jesus' friends were doing what? They were ministering to Jesus. They were feeding him. They were housing him. You think about this long travel. You think about Jesus who had no place to stay. Here he had a place to stay, and they showed hospitality toward him. Now what's going on here is interesting. Martha is serving, and what is Mary doing? Mary is sitting. Now before we read this text and we think, okay, Martha, man, she's a doer. She's a doer, and she is. And, and, and Mary, man, she's, she's just sitting. Shouldn't she be up doing? And, and is she lazy? You know, but sometimes we read this text and we want to give maybe Martha even a bad rap because look at Mary. I mean, she's all sitting at the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's where we should be and we'll see in just a bit. Obviously we should, but this isn't the text I don't think to necessarily go and just compare the two, even though we'll do a little of that this morning. But the goal of this text is not to give one a bad rap over the other. That's not the goal. Now there are things to learn for sure. And so Martha is serving and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And so Martha has been full of what as Jesus is there? It says here that she welcomed into her home, no doubt preparing a meal, a supper, no doubt maybe even uh, made a place for him to stay so he could sleep and rest. And so she's serving and potentially she's serving many in this home. 
But what's Mary doing? She's not in the position of a servant, is she? It says she's in the position of a student, of a learner. She's at the feet of Jesus. In fact, in John 12, if this is the same occurrence in verse 3 through 8, we also learn that this is the time where Mary would take the perfume and anoint the feet of Jesus and wipe his feet with her hair as she is listening to him, as she is hearing from him. And that's what Luke focuses on, that Mary is taking this traditional seat of a disciple, of a student, of a learner, at the position um, of the feet of a rabbi. It was common back then. That's what Jews would do. They would sit in this position, and they would listen to a rabbi or a teacher, and that's what she's doing. Now, what's interesting about this, this was reserved only for men in the Jewish tradition. But here is Mary as a woman, sitting at the feet of Jesus, front and centered in this honored position, not in the kitchen, not up serving, but sitting at the feet of Jesus, potentially with all the other disciples, and Lazarus also reclining there as well. And so this is a daring move that broke Jewish custom. There's a lot going on here in this home. But this didn't sit well, right, with Mary, or excuse me, Martha. Martha is looking on, right? And look what she says to Jesus in verse 40. Martha was distracted with all her preparations, all her hospitality, serving, duties, and she came up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to come and help me. (laughs) It's pretty bold on Martha's case, right? Pretty bold. Martha's doing the duties as a hostess, and her attention is drawn away to Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she expresses this concern, this displeasure, that Jesus did not discourage Mary from sitting at his feet and to have her come and help Martha. Now, if you think about it, Mary on most occasions would probably be what? Helping Martha. She would probably on most occasions, if there were guests and people in the home, be helping and cooking and preparing. Imagine that many people in your home. Can you imagine if you had 80 plus, close to 100 people in your home, and, and you were doing all the preparations by yourself? Imagine, Martha, all the trips to the water well, right? I mean, that would be some trips. I mean, there's not, I mean, this isn't like, you know, you've got like a, a tap in your home, and you can just keep giving people drink, and you, you know, you're not, you don't, you don't have the refrigerator in the kitchen, and also one in the garage, and you just, I mean, this is, you're, you're going, you're going to have to walk to the water well, you're going to, you're, there's a lot going on here. This is busy, and Martha is very busy, and she's upset. She's upset that Mary is simply sitting. So what is Martha? Martha's preoccupied. She's distracted, as Luke calls it in verse 40. And can't we all get that way? Can't we get that way in, in life? We can get distracted very easily by very many things. And then look at verse 40. Jesus has listened to her. That's one of the things I want you to see here. She list, he listens to Martha. Just because he listens to Martha doesn't mean he agrees with Martha, but he listens to Martha. And then look at what happens as he responds in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to Martha, 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 you are worried and bothered by so many things. 
And so what do we see right here? Jesus sees Martha's heart. She, he sees Martha's heart. There's no shalom in her heart. There's no peace in Martha's heart. She's worried. She's worried probably about a few things, about not having everything ready. She's worried about what Mary is doing and what Mary is not doing. She's worried about all these things. If you think about it, we live in a Martha world, don't we? We live in a Martha world of do and do and do, work and work and work. We can get worried, we get anxious, we get distracted. We start assessing what others are doing and we get upset about other people not maybe pulling their weight or we get upset because we believe they should be doing something maybe that they're not doing. This is real. This occurrence is very real. It's a, it's a real life experience. And Jesus shows concern for Martha's anxiety in this moment, her worry. But Jesus will ultimately not do what Martha wanted. <laughs> and we will see why in just a bit. But what was she worried about? What was she bothered by? Um, no doubt the excessive meal preparation. She was busy with that. This elaborate meal that maybe if there's that many people in your home, you are definitely doing a lot just to get the meal ready. The question is, was it too excessive? Could she have been a little more simple with her entertaining? Maybe so. But the why, by the words of Jesus here, it seems that Martha could have been anxious over something even more. Maybe her anxiety was over pleasing people. Maybe she wanted people's approval. She wanted to impress Jesus. She wanted to impress her guests. And sometimes we can struggle with that, can't we? Because we know that sometimes our service, our hospitality, hosting people, we, we don't want it to reflect poorly on us or maybe our family. And so sometimes what happens, the desire for approval gets dressed up to look like the desire to serve. And so maybe Martha really wanted that approval. We are all Marthas at times when it comes to that. We serve maybe out of a desire to get approval, to please others, and sometimes our motives aren't completely pure. Martha very well could have been there. It seems that her heart was filled with this anxiety. Maybe she was serving out of this anxiety instead of grace. She's bothered. And so we, when we serve, the question is, who are we serving in our serving. Does that make sense? Who are we serving in our serving? Are we serving others, but yet in it, serving ourselves? Who are we serving? And Jesus wants to free us, and I think we see this here. He wants to free us from the anxiety, the worry that Martha has here. He wants us to be set free. He wants to free us from the motive of wanting approval from others. And so before we look at what Jesus is going to say about Mary, let's be sure not to give Martha a bad rap, though. Martha, I believe, is a very godly woman, a woman who loves Jesus. And she thought what she was doing was good and right. But just like us, we all struggle at times with our motives. We all struggle at times of maybe not understanding completely what we should be doing and, and what's the best thing. And that's where Martha was. And so Jesus is going to take an opportunity. In this last verse this morning, verse 42, there's a lot he says. And look what he says as he continues to speak to Martha. 
but only one thing, Martha. And so he just got done and says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things in your heart. But he says this, one thing, only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And so Jesus says to Martha, the one thing that Mary has chosen is more important than the many things which you have chosen. Martha's serving, I think in this case, has become the enemy of the real good, right? And so, let me ask this question. You've got Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. You've got this crowd in this house. You've got disciples sitting there. You've got Lazarus. You've got Martha serving, busy. So how does one, like Mary, ignore the crowd and their needs? When in a normal case, she would probably be serving helping with dinner what causes one to ignore the crowd in their needs here's what i'll tell you one who is so captivated by jesus in this case one who is so enthralled by jesus christ jesus is in the house and she is drawn to him her attention is taken off everything else. Instead of being distracted by many things, she instead is captivated by one. Guess what? When this happens, it changes everything, right? I mean, think about just this little story. It, it changes what she was doing. I mean, just real simple. Instead of up being busy, she stopped and sat at his feet. And that's what happens in life. When, when we are captivated by something, that something changes everything. Our priorities, everything we do. Everything we do. We make time for what we're passionate about, what we're captivated by, and we neglect what is less important. And so we order our lives by, why, by what we love. And that's what we see here. And so the question is this morning, are we giving ourselves to the best thing in life right now? This is just a moment, right? But what do our moments look like? What does our life look like? Are we giving ourselves to the best thing? So what is that? What is this good part that we should order our life around? And I just want to make four observations this morning, if I could. From this text and the context that we see here in Luke I think the first thing we see is we see what's important to God is that we listen to him and believe in him. That we listen and believe. In John chapter 6, verse 29, it tells us that this is the work of God. This is the work of God. That you and me believe in Jesus whom the Father has sent. That's the work of God. So this is the real work that God values the most, to believe in Jesus. And that's what Mary is doing. She's listening and believing in Jesus. Many times we value things getting accomplished, right? We call it productivity, right? And, and, and life really becomes about that. We love to get things done. We love to check things off the list. We, we love to do that. We all love to do that. But here's what we see what God values. God values our trust in his son. 
God values our trust in his son and fruitfulness. He values fruitfulness. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Talking to us as the branches, those who belong to him. And it says that um, he who abides in me, rests in me, trusts in me, has a relationship with me. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And so what does God value the most? He values that we listen to him, that we believe in him, that we have this relationship with him that overflows into fruitful living for him. And that's what he values. And that leads me to the second observation is Jesus wants us to abide in him, meaning he wants most from us a relationship. So when you look at this text, I mean, that's what we see, right? Front and center, Jesus is saying, the one necessary thing is a relationship with me. Relationship. So important. It's not just do, do, do. It's not just go do more of this, but it's relationship. And so the fruitfulness that he desires from our life flows from that, our relationship with him. So we've got to be careful that we don't just work for Jesus without taking time to commune with Jesus. And if we're all honest in here this morning, I mean, that's, that's what we've got to fight for. That's what we've got to battle for daily. It's time that we commune with Jesus just like Mary does. Mary focused on being versus Martha focusing on doing. And Jesus wants us to be more like Mary first before we move to Martha moments. He wants us to be like Mary and to focus on being. Jesus, the message of Jesus is not do more and more. No. In fact, people might look on and say, hey, how come you aren't doing anything? I mean, sometimes that happens, like with Martha here, when in fact we're doing the thing that God values the most, spending time with him, listening to him, trusting in him. And so, I think the message maybe to Martha in this is maybe Jesus is saying, I miss you. You ever thought about that? I, th- I think that's part of the message. I, w- I want you to hear that too. I think Jesus is also saying to Martha here, Martha, I, I just missed time with you. I, I, I would have been just cool with some bread thrown on the table, a little bit of wine on the table, and and." and you didn't have to go to all the trouble, and man, we could have just hung out, maybe some fish on the table, maybe some water, and man, that's cool. And yeah, there's hundreds of people here, but hey, we could have just hung out, and I think Mar- she was saying to Martha, I, I miss you. Jesus wants time with Martha because he loves Martha. He loves their relationship. He loves her friendship just like he wants time with us because he loves us, he cares for us. And so Jesus misses some of us today, I think. Maybe we're busy, maybe we're preoccupied, maybe we're distracted, and I think Jesus just wants to tell you, hey, I I miss you, miss you. Now in saying that, I I don't want you to forget, Jesus doesn't need you. (laughs) He doesn't need you, but he loves you. He cares for you. He misses you. 
He wants you to come to him and listen to him and hang with him and commune with him. He misses some of us today. He wants a relationship with us. And then from that, obviously this life of fruitfulness flows. But the third thing I want us to see is the good part that he's talking about, this good part that Mary has chosen. I believe also is what we would call discipleship, right? How do we, we learn that here? Is because she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. She's in the position of a learner, of a disciple. And no doubt she's paying close attention to the teachings of Jesus. Because listen, Martha is looking on and being like, hey, listen, I'm doing all this other stuff. But look at her. She is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so she was not distracted, but yet she was learning, listening, it says, to his word. And so she has this humble attitude of dependence on Jesus. The teaching of God's word should be our primary concern and very important to our life. And we must take time to listen, to learn from Jesus, because everything Jesus says is important. And that's what Mary was doing. Mary got the best portion. She got time with Jesus, and Jesus is her good portion. The Bible tells us in Psalm 27, 4, David says, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. What was David celebrating as that one thing that he desired and wanted was to be in the presence of God, and that's what Mary was doing. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 25, that the one thing that is necessary, the one thing, I want you to hear this, he says, it is enough for the disciple, the learner, to become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And so one thing is necessary, just like Jesus is saying here, and that good part, is that we would choose to sit at the feet of Jesus, that we would be a disciple, so that we would be what? That we'd become like Jesus. And that was Mary's intent. That was her heart. That was her desire. That was the one thing that Jesus says is necessary, that good part. Lastly, the good part. I believe the good part is also eternal life. Look at it here again in verse 42. Jesus says, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. You think about last week. Last week, who did we talk about? We talked about this lawyer who asked a question to Jesus. Remember the question he posed? Jesus, how does one inherit eternal life? You remember what the lawyer said because Jesus came back to him and said, what do you think? Tell me what the law says. And the lawyer said that the law says to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus came back and said, yeah, do that and you will live. And he was telling the man, hey, you know what? Do that, live according to the law perfectly without fault, and you'll live. The problem is we all fall short of that. None of us love God like we should. We all fall short of that. None of us love others like we should. We all sin and disobey God. We fall short of that. And so that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could be forgiven. We could be redeemed. Those who were once lost could now be found. Those who were lost in sin could now have life, have eternal life, a relationship with God where that relationship was once broken. Now it's been healed. And now we know him. And so Mary, I believe here, I think she possesses eternal life. 
We'll see more about Mary later as well as we'll look at verses with her. But um, she's one who loves the Lord with all her heart. She's captivated by Jesus. And so just like the story that Jesus shared last week about the Good Samaritan, this Good Samaritan was used as an example of one who fell short of the standards of God, but Jesus used him as an example to show him as one, one like him who possesses eternal life, one who loved the Jew, who was supposed to be his enemy, for the mercy of God has no discrimination. And so it is with Mary as well. Here's this one who Jews would have taught and, and belittled and, and they marginalized women back then, but not Jesus. Jesus is showing us something here, just like he did with the Samaritan, just like he does here with Mary. As Mary breaks the custom of Jewish tradition, takes this place of honor at the feet of Jesus, listening and believing, and that's what the kingdom of God is. That's why Jesus came. He came to the Samaritans of the world. He came to women. He came to the poor, to the marginalized, to the broken, to the down and out, the outcasts, to give them the good part, to give them the good portion, to give them eternal life through him. And he came to us to give us eternal life. And I think that's what he's talking about here. I think Mary possesses that, that Mary believes in Jesus. And then he says, no one can take that good part away. No one can take the gift of eternal life away. No one can take away your discipleship. No one can take away your relationship with him. No one could look down upon our listening and believing in Jesus over the busyness of life. No one can take that away. No one. And so this morning, as we look at this text, I just want to ask you one question. Are you, like Mary, captivated by Jesus? Are you enthralled by him? Mary was. And Jesus, like Mary did, Jesus wants us to meet with him. He wants time with us. He misses some of us this morning. He wants our world to be a merry world with Martha moments down the road, right? But he wants our world to look more like Mary's world, where we stop, spend time with him, and commune with him. And he wants us to come and sit at his feet. And so I pray this morning that you would take time, that you would not get distracted so easily by the worries, the concerns of life that can so easily weigh us down but that you would take time each day, just like Mary does here, to break away from all the details, everything that bogs us down, the worries and the concerns, and that you would sit at the feet of Jesus so that your life would choose the best thing, that good part, and that would be discipleship, that would be a relationship with him, that that would be our priority. That's what God so desires for us. Let me pray for you.